It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner. meeting me in the middle, the middle, because facts are neither left nor right. So great to have you along on this rainy, like, it's, I'm a broken record, it rains on Saturdays, that's what it does. Rains on weekends. Or if you're in the Midwest, it snows on weekends. But it is great to have you in. I was always told that rain is a good thing for radio, because people are inside. But I hope whatever you're doing, you're safe, you're with those that you love, you're feeling a sense of gratitude. I know I am. I've got Christian and Ava and Jonas helping out here, 77 WABC Radio. Some of you are listening on Terrestrial Radio, the most powerful radio station in the nation. But you can also hear us on WABCRadio.com. And it's also a podcast. Some people just do the podcast thing. They say, I'm not going to – got other things to do on Saturday. I'll listen on the podcast and the podcast, a lot, a lot of our listeners do listen. It's hard to figure out. You, they don't give you much demographic information about who's listening how. But we do get a lot of listenership on, on, on the podcast. And the show has been doing great with all of your support. And most of that comes in the form of mail and calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And wienerwabc at gmail.com is my email address. So great to have you along. Um I'm missing out a little bit. Jordan has his his hockey league has their awards banquet at this hour. His mom is staffing him at that. A little bit of a long afternoon, but it's really great. Um, and uh, so hopefully Jordan is having fun doing that. I am struggling a little bit with some technology problems. I've you know I've got I think the Russians are have hacked into my phone. I have something going on with my phone that's been going on for months. That I'm not losing messages, SMS, I'm not losing messages. I lose lines of messages. So I'll say, what time do you want to meet? They'll say 7.30. I'll say, great, and I'll come back a couple of hours later, and it'll go, what time do you want? And I'll say, great, like the middle is missing. Trying to get that sorted out. I posted something on my Facebook page to let folks know that the show is coming on. There's a terrible hissing going on. I just think that technology is not my friend. But I say that in the context of the greatest technological Miracle imaginable that I am sitting here in Manhattan talking to all of you. So let's look at some of the news this week. And by the way, if you're wondering what's happening at 4 o'clock and you're wondering uh, or you didn't hear the commercials, I think they might have settled on a combatant versus me on left versus right. I think they finally found the Frazier to my Ali. 
and it is Dominic Carter. No, that's not a racial remark. It just happens to be. Never mind. Um, Dominic Carter did it last week, and people loved it. I, I didn't think it was very good, but people loved it. Um, and previous to that, Roger Stone and I debated. Previous to that, Curtis Slew and I debated. Previous to that, John Katsimatidis, and, and, and people are really responding to it. Now, I don't – it's no mystery to, to me why, because this is a right – leaning radio station but people want to hear the other side i think that's why my my show does well and they especially want to see me get my butt kicked they want to see someone punching back against what i have to say there is a an expression for it in professional wrestling it's called playing the heel and that's clearly what i am at the station i do not mind i do not mind it's um I find it much more interesting than just listening to the same thing over and over again. I would, I have much more sense of satisfaction that I'm engaging in real civic dialogue and real debate and doing what the founding fathers might have envisioned in having a debate with someone who disagrees with me than be the 15th person on MSNBC or the 19th knucklehead on Fox News saying the same exact thing. So people are responding well to it. Dominic and I are friends. Uh, he and I go way back. Um, we know each other pretty well. He's excellent on the radio. His show uh, at, at, on midnights dominates the airwaves from midnight to 1 a.m. And so getting opportunity to debate with him. So he's going to be coming in at 4 o'clock, and we're going to go at it again. And this was a weird week in news, if you think about it. Not a lot happened. Congress did not enact uh, funding for Ukraine and Russia. They did not en- enact um, fixes at the border. Nothing new happened in the Donald Trump in the 91 indictments in the Donald Trump, in the, in the four cases of Donald Trump, there were no trials or anything. But there was a lot going on behind the scenes, a lot going on. For example, Donald Trump and Joe Biden were both at the border on Thursday and both had messages there. We're going to talk about that part in hour one. And then in hour two, I'm going to talk about the other thing that went on this week that is in the realm of what may happen is the Supreme Court decided it was going to hear arguments as a full court in the case of Donald Trump saying, you can't prosecute me for anything I did while I was in office. A um, little bit of a surprise, and I'm going to tell you in hour number two what it means and why I think that Donald Trump and his supporters should be up in arms about what the Supreme Court said they want to do. But first, let's start out with just some of the good news of the week. Um, uh, more record closes on Wall Street. You just heard the pains and you heard Steve Moore talking about how great the economy is doing in that regard. Um, job numbers are still up. Inflation is creeping down. Hopefully the Fed is getting the message that it's okay to lower some of their rates for sectors of our economy that rely upon that. Um, and if it, and that's good for everybody. I don't care what your party is. We all have to some degree we have investments whether it's our retirement accounts, whether it's our 401k, um, whether you just live here in New York City when we rely a lot upon the financial sector doing well. Um, and it, it now the folks, you know, now it's, it's bipartisan. No one seems to really disagree. The economy is doing really great. So that happened. Good for them. Um, a couple more primaries happened. South Carolina we know happened, but uh, now Michigan has happened. Michigan had some cautionary notes for both candidates about 12 percent were uncommitted on the democratic side a protest vote against because they think that uh that um, joe biden is too staunchly pro-israel 
um, a, still a 35 to 40 percent um, percent. Uh, 35 to 50 percent, if you look at all of them, for, for that refuse to vote, Republicans that refuse to vote for Donald Trump. He continues to underperform his polling. He was going in, averaging winning Michigan by 57 points. He only won it by 36 points. I say only. He's going to win. That's not the issue. Biden and Trump are both going to win, but we're trying to look for clues. I talk about this a little bit on my podcast, The Middle Unplugged, that comes out on Wednesday, the, some of the trouble underneath the numbers. So that happened. But the big kind of face-off that happened this week was on immigration. And I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I talked about immigration, but I haven't talked about it a ton in the last several weeks. I'm going to return to some of the things on immigration because the two candidates showed up at the border, and I'm sure Dominic are going to, and I are going to talk about this in Left versus Right. It has now emerged as the number one issue in the country, and that always happens. When the economy starts doing better, people start saying, eh, I don't care that much. Same thing that happened around crime. Crime came down. Suddenly, Rudy Giuliani wasn't that popular because people didn't care much about crime. It's like, like Winston Churchill after the war. So immigration has emerged as this bipartisan concern. Now, people have different concerns depending upon where they're sitting, but I think everyone agrees that immigration has become this big big issue. So so let's let's revisit it a little bit. So the two candidates showed up at the border, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Joe and Sir Christian will get you up on the board. So the two candidates showed up. Donald Trump shows up at the border and says – I'm going to do ma- – if you make me the president again, I'm going to do mass deportations. Um, just the numbers are there are about 13 million people who you hear undocumented. Many people, as we look to our left and our left to right, go to our daily life, the person at the deli, the person working on our home, the person driving our cab. There are many people who are undocumented. There's actually millions and millions of them for lots of different reasons. There are some people who are even born here or came here as young children, have never known another country. I mean, not the, the the ones that are born here. Their parents are here undocumented. There are some that came here as young children and grew up here, the so-called dreamers. And and Donald Trump's position is we're going to arrest them all, we're going to build the wall, and we're going to go back to my old policies that I had. And at, uh, But principally, it's Joe Biden's fault. That was his principal message. Joe Biden shows up at the border and says, look, we have a problem here. We have to fix it. Congress has to sit down, put on their big boy pants, and we have to fix it because of the things that we need to do, hire more border officers, more fentanyl screening devices, um, fix the asylum laws. These things have to be done with laws. Um, and so and, – and, and he had that tone, but he also had a – I don't know – I don't know what to call this tone, but I think kind of a sincere kind of olive branch kind of message that is represented in Cut 5. So we entered uh, today with 14. No, this is Cut cut 5. I understand my predecessors in Eagle Pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Set a plan for Instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. 
We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We work for the American people. And let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America. No, I mean, just think about this. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. Nothing. So, so we work together. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Mr. President, but um, kind of like this, like, let's let's all pull together. But let me try to because I think that even though I've said it a bunch of times, let me try to explain again why the president of the United States says that we need to make changes to the law. That right now it is the law of the United States of America that the way people come and are processed when they come here, the way that the thresholds to whether you're allowed to stay, how you arrest them if you decide to arrest them, what you do with them, what you do, they're all enshrined in laws. These are laws. We're a nation of laws. The number of people that we hire to enforce those laws is passed by the House of Representatives in the United States Senate. It has to be funding, comes from Congress. And so every so often in the immigration laws, our country changes dramatically. A lot of people say, oh, it can't be like the way it used to be. Well, it used to be for generations and generations in this country. Just if you, you know, you walk through Ellis Island, you said, I'm here. We needed to fill up the country. We needed workers. There were basically no obstacles. But as, as the, as the, as our country has matured and we've had different needs and we've had different challenges and we've wanted to figure out different ways to live up to the aspirations of our country, the laws get Updated, updated under Democrats, updated under Republicans. That has not happened for a very long time, and it's overdue. It's been overdue for over two decades now. George W. Bush tried to do it. Barack Obama tried to do it. I was in the room. I was one of the people. I was on the Judiciary Committee. I was one of the people trying to help with these issues. And there are different competing ideas that what people, but today's problem is we have more and more and more and more people showing up at our nation's borders. And more and more of them are being arrested and more and more of them being thrown out of the country. As a matter of fact, more people, almost double the number of people have been arrested and removed from the country under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump. Is that amazing? Twice as many. But a lot of that is because so many more are showing up. And the reason that we have so many people that are coming and so many people that are flooding into our country in the way that they are is we have one part of the law in particular that is outdated, and it is the asylum law. The asylum law is a section that says very plainly, it's not a very complicated law, it says very plainly, that if you have your feet in the United States of America and you present yourself and you say, I am here, I want asylum, then what happens is there's a process to see if you are allowed to stay here. You can only stay under asylum if you are being, if there's a legitimate fear that you're going to be persecuted at home for your religion, for your whatever. You have to be really a victim. If you just are trying to, to escape inflation in Venezuela, that is not a reason that you can get asylum. However, who determines that? Right now, it's a court process. It's an immigration court process. Now, when that person presents themselves and says, I'm here and I ask for asylum, at that point, then a number of things can happen. Well, one thing is the border officer says, come here, pal. Here's your hearing officer. Go have a hearing. But the problem is the backlog for those hearings is years long because for years now, the Congress 
And the president of the other party, the Republicans, have starved the system. They said, we don't want to put any money into administering these programs. We only want to put money into things like walls and security. So that line is now very long. Another thing that he that the officer can do is, all right, we're going to hold you until your hearing comes up in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years from now. Well, it's not that long, but it's three, four, five years from now. Okay, where are you going to put them? We don't have physical facilities to hold people for that a number of people for that period of time. And so all throughout Donald Trump's era, all throughout George W. Bush and Obama and Biden, there has always been the discretion to say, here's your court date, come back. So-called catch and release. It doesn't say anywhere in the law that every person that is um, uh, that is that applies for asylum is held in prison for that period of time. So how do you fix the asylum laws? It's not rocket science, but you have to do it. So when people say, well, you need a law, the reason they're saying you need a law is we need something that does a couple of things. One, one thing you can do, and this is what the compromise between with that the senators came up with, is you can say there can have a little mini hearing right there with the border officer. Like he can ask you three or four questions and it's then he can do like a little determination himself that this person is not eligible. Right now, there's no right under the law for that. Another thing that they can do is dramatically increase the number of hearing officers, put them right there at the border and do what I described, which is you basically walk them over to the place and you say, here's your hearing. You have to leave if, if you're not eligible. By the way, about 30 percent, 25 Percent. It's hard to say. You can't say a, a steadfast number about how many people are eligible. In the past, it's wavered depending on where they're coming from. For example, if they're coming from a war zone, you know that the number might spike up. So now people say, "Well, just close the border." That's one thing that people say. There is no provision in the law as it stands today. That allows the president of the United States to, to bolt the door. There is something called Title 42 that you might have heard about. And I'll get into that next. And the final thing I'm going to do is explain remain in Mexico. And then if you want to call and ask questions, at least then 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, we will have a base of understanding do you say, oh, remain in Mexico or all Title 42 or all end asylum? At least then we'll all have some of the facts out of the way. It's so great to have you along. We're talking about immigration. We're talking about it like adults. We're talking about it, people, that we're going to talk about facts today. That doesn't mean you can't bring your biases. I have mine. Be sure to bring yours as well, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. new ways to make change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides before all this happened anthony weir he was fantastic that guy could have been the president this is the middle with anthony weiner but weiner may be my greatest challenge yet he has gone toe to toe with many pundits before me on wabc
And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's 10,000 Maniacs from Jamestown, New York. They broke onto the scene when I was upstate New York at Plattsburgh State University College of Arts and Sciences, PSUC. Yeah, that was, that was what our, that's what we went by. Um, and so they were playing it on the local bar scene. And I'd love to say I was one of these people who said, oh, they're going to be big, but it was not. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'm taking you to 4 o'clock and then left versus right with Dominic Carter. And I sent a special little text message to John Katzmatidis this week. I said, do you mind if I take the gloves off this week? And he's like, go for it. So we'll see if it gets a little chippy this week. So we're talking about immigration. The first thing I – and we're talking about why Joe Biden says he needs congressional help to try to solve this problem. And I'm going to get to what what Donald Trump says on the other side, and then we're going to take some calls. So the first thing was this whole problem with all the asylees that are coming in now and why that they're – why anyone's letting them in. It's because it's in the law. It's in the law. And by the way, you know, some people have said, well, just make an executive order to overturn that law. Well, Joe Biden uh, – Donald Trump, rather, he tried that. He tried that, and the court said, no, you have to go back to Congress to get this done. Now, did did Donald Trump ever do that? No, he didn't. So that's his head. So, so the second thing I hear frequently from people is, well, Joe Biden repealed all these executive orders that Donald Trump – he repealed what Donald Trump was trying to do. Title 42 did not get repealed when Joe Biden came in. It got repealed a year and a half later, and I'll tell you why. Well, Title 42 has nothing to do with the immigration law. Title II is the health laws, the health laws of the United States that give the executive branch some power to do some things in the face of something like a, a, a health emergency. It gives him some power. And one of the things it gives a power to do is as close as we have in the law to shutting down the border, it gives him the right to to – to take border crossings and basically stop administering them as far as not welcoming people in. It has the effect of kind of shutting down the border. And and he did not eliminate that. That eventually got eliminated when a health emergency was declared to be over. And I just want to remind all of you, my listeners, it was by and large people on the right and Republicans saying, and the health emergency is no longer a health emergency for COVID. And once that was declared to be over, Title II went with it. It is not a separate thing. So if you want to bring back Title 42, okay, in that case, you're asking Joe Biden or whatever future president to declare that there's a health emergency. And then that allows all kinds of other things to be taken that a lot of us don't support. And suddenly you have the authority to do these different these different types of, of basically heavy-handed things with the government to shut down elements of the economy and our country because of a health emergency. But we don't have that right now. So that's why Title 42 doesn't doesn't just reappear out of the out of the, the air. And then the third thing that people say is, well, what about remain in Mexico? I'm sure a lot of you have heard that 800-848-9222-800-848-WABC. The board is, is full up, but if you want to get in, we'll do our best. So remain in Mexico was essentially an agreement with the country of Mexico to keep a lot of people who are awaiting – processing on the Mexican side of the border. Now, that has a lot of problems. But the primary problem that has it has a lot of problems like, you know, what, how, how do you have U.S. laws on that side of the border? What are the status of, 
of the U.S. laws when you're not keeping someone, you know, it has a lot of laws. But that but that's not the problem. The problem today, right now, is that no one has answered the question, well, what do you do about the fact that Mexico doesn't agree want to agree to this anymore? They don't want to. Okay, so remain in Mexico was not a law. It wasn't an executive order. It was an agreement that we arrived at. Basically, we contracted with a foreign country to hold folks. So that's remain in Mexico. So when people say, well, wait a minute, doesn't the president have a right to shut down the border in case of invasion? Yes and no. There is a provision in the immigration law that gives him broad authority to do things that are in the best interest in the country. But there's also a whole bunch of other words in the immigration law that was put there by Congress that if they want to change, they have to change. And we know this because the court said it repeatedly to Donald Trump. So there are other things, you know, the wall and things like that. But let's now go to what Donald Trump is saying. Well, Donald Trump says he wants to do mass deportations. All right, I'll bite. Anyone wants to call in and say how to do that. Do you know how many ICE officers? No, not ICE officers. Do you know how many ICE employees there are in the country? 20,000. That's basically, let's round it a little bit. It's about it's about three quarters of the New York City Police Department. <laughs> That's all of ICE for the entire country. 13 million people. And I'll let I'll let Christian do the math while we're talking. 13 million people divided by 20,000 ICE officers to see. And by the way, how does that deportation go? Where do we deport them to? Where they came from, did I hear you say? Well, what if where they came from, we don't have relations with and we can't land planes and we can't, we don't have an agreement that they're going to take it back. Are we going to drop them from planes or are we going to hold them in prison? Well, maybe we should. Maybe the guy that's out there who's paying his taxes, who's speaking English, who's running a business, who is undocumented, maybe we should go take that guy out of our economy and we should arrest him and we should drop him with a parachute back to where he's probably hasn't been for 20 or 30 years. I want to see. Now, has Donald Trump told us how he plans to do this mass A little bit. He has said things like, I am going to deputize police agencies from around the country. Uh-huh. So now my Republican friends are in favor of having a nationally deputized police force in the hands of Joe Biden. Hmm. I say Joe Biden because if Donald Trump can do it, maybe we should have Joe Biden do it. Suddenly we're going to do this. It's it's a good talking point, but I have not heard Donald Trump explain how that is going to look. I guess he can theoretically nationalize all of the National Guards, and then what are they going to do? Now, remember where Donald Trump spent a lot of his budget for immigration when he was president was doing this kind of interior enforcement. He did much more of it than Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been focused more on the border, believe it or not. So what's the other thing? The other thing is the wall. You've heard a lot about the wall because Donald Trump was in for four years and didn't build the wall. And now he says, no, this time I'm definitely going to build it. The, the wall is fine. I am. You've heard me say this. I am one of the few Democrats. I will say it out loud. Build more wall. I have no problem with that. I say that not because I think it'll be particularly successful, but because I think we have to compromise, build more wall. Now, why don't we have more wall? We don't have more wall because a lot of the border that we have, the southern border, just you can't put a wall there. It's on the Rio Grande. It's in a river. It's, uh, you know, you saw Abbott like floating things on, on the river. You, It's on private property. 
And everyone who believes that, well, the president can just do things by executive order, then why didn't the president build the wall by executive order? And the reason is Congress has to allocate the money. And even Republicans, there are a lot of Republicans in that part of the country are like, I don't want, I'm not going to go take private land from people to build this wall. But fine, let's go build the wall. But if the two positions that I just laid out are the, or, or Joe Biden saying, let's update our laws, let's, and I'll tell you what they, what they came up with this immigration package that he was talking about, inviting Donald Trump to support it. It was more ICE officers at the border. Do you support that? I think you do. It is more screening um, screening machines to screen trucks coming in with fentanyl. It is more adjudication officers to turn around asylees. It is a tightening of the asylum laws, all kinds of different things, including you're being able to question them, plus you can put a limit on the number, plus that they have to re- have to apply overseas, all these things that people say are in the law, which are not. They're things they tried to do by executive order and could not. And then like basic humanitarian things, like children who are unaccompanied get legal representation, so they are protected. And building more facilities to hold people. While they're waiting, that's just some of it. They're basically Republicans got everything that they wanted. That's the one side. On the other side, on the other side is Donald Trump saying Joe Biden sucks. 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 Don't pass any laws. I just want the issue. So that's what this week was about. That's what the setup was for the conversation. And if you think I did anything to mischaracterize that, now I, I know the Fox News talking points about crime, immigrant crime, migrant crime, migrant crime. Migrants commit crimes at lower rates than native-born Americans. It's a fact. <laughs> it is. I'm sorry. And blue states are safer than red states. That's a fact, too. And I can read you the statistics. But for now, focusing on immigration, you've got the two sides which side do you agree with? Let me know. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the middle. In hour number two, we're going to talk about the Donald Trump legal cases. Give that an update. And then at 4 o'clock, Anthony Weiner versus Dominic Carter on left versus right. But this is me now here with you, the middle. We'll see you on the other side. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. That's the imitable Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield, as you as you probably know, you know he wound up in a wheelchair because of a uh, lighting hitting him as part of the Midwood concerts that used to be run by Marty Markowitz back in the day, over by uh, Edward R. Murrow High School, 
Uh, great talent. So let's go to the phone calls. A lot of people have a lot of questions, a lot of views. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Let's start us off with Wayne, uh, Wayne, Mike and Wayne. Hey, Mike, welcome aboard. Anthony, how are you? Please, uh, just let me get what I got to get off my chest. I'll be a gentleman. Um, you know, Democrats, to keep blaming the Republicans. But let's not forget, Biden, his first two years in office, had both houses, right? Okay, number one. Number two, anyone can see that Biden goes down now because simply it's an election year. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out because where's he been for the last three years? And the same thing, Anthony, with Palestine, Ohio, okay? And, um, you know, it's just you guys keep blaming the Republicans when it's really all on Biden. Let's not forget Biden also said to storm our borders, come with your asylum claims, and and this is what happens. And I think you said 13 million are in our country now, but that's totally incorrect because how many have crossed since Biden's been here? Six million. So there's more like 20 million illegals in our country. You always skew the numbers to make it look not that bad. Uh, I think I've been saying, first of all, you got a lot wrong there, so let me catch you up. So Joe Biden, when he was elected, I think three days into his term, he sent up to Congress a comprehensive immigration reform bill, which included additional funds for the border and to update the asylum laws. And the Republicans in Congress didn't take it up, but I get that. Sometimes they, it, it's entirely, it's entirely, you need 60 votes in the Senate. And you want to look back to 2021, I'm saying right now, if I mean, I'll ask you, Mike, do you believe there should be more officers arresting more people at the border? Believe, remember. Yes, you know, Mike, Mike, team? Mike, this is not a hard one. Do you believe there should be more officers arresting more people at the border? No, the National Guard. You don't believe there should be more uh, uh, border officers? Okay. Well, Mike, now, if you think that Mike is not being a phony, then I disagree with you. I think there should be more officers. The National Guard, that's that's not who does border enforcement. I mean, you can all of that. A lot of that was 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 wrong. You know, people say, well, Joe Biden didn't want to do anything. I, he introduced comprehensive um, legislation the moment he got in the door. You need 60 votes. And we now have it. If you want to talk about what happened the first years, we now have we now have a deal. The Republicans said, I just want to catch everyone up. The Republicans said, we're not going to do aid to Israel, not going to do aid to Ukraine until you, we, we um, fix our border laws. So they they appointed this guy Langford. The Democrats appointed someone, the independents supported someone. They all sat down and negotiated, and they came back with stuff that no Republican said they're against. They just said, oh, we don't want to do it anymore. Why did they do that? Because Donald Trump says, I want the issue. I don't want anyone to support any fixes here. I mean, it's not a function anymore. Now you don't have to go back to 2021. You can right now, if President if if President Biden says, I will sign this, and the Senate has already passed it, all we need to do, just put it up to a vote in the House, it will pass. So you just have to go call the head of the cult here, the, call Donald Trump, and say, if you give the word, we'll do it. But he won't. That tells you. And and, and I want to say something. The politics of this are good for Demo- are good for Republicans. I get it. Yeah, congratulations. This is a great issue. For Republicans. Okay, therefore what? Therefore, you just is it just a matter of you want to win the election or do you want to solve the problem? That's the fundamental question I need all of you, my listeners, to answer. And by the way, one final thing. 
How many times have I heard on these airwaves, Joe Biden's doing it on purpose because he wants all these people to come in because they're going to vote Democratic. You look at all of the polls that are coming out. Hispanics are breaking against Joe Biden over this issue. And none of these people that are coming in, even if we pass an immigration law tomorrow, is going to become a voter any time. So it's just kind of ridiculous. Let's go to Todd in Seattle. Hey, Todd, welcome aboard. Hey, Anthony, I've been wanting to speak with you for a long time. I've been listening since your moment one. But anyway, I wish I had cue cards to really speak with you on the issues that I have at stake. But nonetheless, you're an apologist for what's happening. You are uh, acquiescing to the, this, this whole phenomenon. You, you, you try to do all these legal – and you're true. You're, you're correct about it. But – you're an apologist for it. You want it. Replacement theory is here. It's happening. You can deny it all you want. Explain it to our listeners, Todd. Explain what? The replacement theory? Yes. You know what? Uh, like a switch went off. This illegal migration happened. And, and they're not asylum seekers. When I, did it go off, Todd? When did it go off? Uh, the week of the election. Really? 2019. So we didn't have just, I'm going to let you finish, Todd. But 2019, we didn't, Todd, Todd, I'm going to let you finish, but let me just ask this question. In 2019, the migrant caravans coming from Honduras, coming from Guatemala, did, did, and, 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 and Trump was in office saying that we're under siege. That wasn't when it happened? Phenomenon. You want this to happen. You Democrats, Want this to happen? Explain why, Todd. Todd, society. explain why. So we are implementing. All right, let me just turn Todd down. I mean, maybe Todd can't hear me, but Todd keeps saying that the replacement theory, which is this idea, I'm not going to characterize it. I'm not going to the way a lot of people have. I'm not going to characterize it, but it's the idea that if more people of color come here and then whites get whatever, something happens. I just want to explain. You can't hold both positions. Of the last two callers, you have to choose which one. The, the caller before Todd says the only reason that Biden is doing this is because of politics. Yes, the politics of this are bad. <laughs> it's not good. Immigration and the flood at the southern border and the collapse of our immigration laws is hurting Democrats and Joe Biden. I don't. That's definitely the case. But it's also hurting our country. But you can't have that position and then have Todd's position of, oh, but you like it. No, nobody likes it. It, The only question on the table, the only question on the table now is whether you do something about it or you try to use it for political purpose and don't solve the problem. And I'm in the camp of solving problems. I believe that Congress should solve problems. I believe that's what they should do. Congress has to do this thing. And they all like, oh, my God, immigration started like yesterday. Are you kidding? You look up migrant caravans as a phrase. It was invented by Donald Trump. And it was during his administration. It was whole, whole rationale for the wall and whatnot. There's a lot of migration going on the way for a lot of freaking reasons. And it shows no sign of ebbing. If we don't change our laws, if we don't update the way we handle these things, then we're going to be in trouble. And the final thing is I'm an apologist. I am not apologizing when I explain the facts of the situation. I mean, if you want to just call and say, oh, my God, this is the worst. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm with you. I've been saying for a year and a half now we've got 
We've got it. And I was saying that when I was in Washington. Right now, the obstacle to us fixing this problem is Donald Trump picking up the phone and calling Speaker Johnson saying, put it on the floor. I want to tell you, if this comes up for a vote, more immigration officers, more jail cells, more hearing officers to get the asylees backlog down, more um, uh, more fentanyl screening trucks. If that goes to the floor, it will pass with 80 percent of the majority. And that means the will of the American people is being thwarted right now because people like Todd want to call in and make a political hay about it. And, you know, one of these days, I just want someone to call in and say, we don't want to solve the problem either because we want Donald Trump to get elected. We want this to be a mess for the country. We want a mess for the country. That's surely what Donald Trump is saying. He wants the mess. And that's, 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 you know, so you got one, that's why I said, let's look at the split screen from Thursday. One guy saying, mess, 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 look, Joe Biden did it. And the other guy saying, mess, mess, but let's go take what this bipartisan group came up with and put it to a vote. Let's put our big boy pants on. Let's do what Congress is supposed to do. And if you believe, let's just let presidents run the country and presidents decide budgets and presidents decide laws. And, oh, by the way, I also want him to be immune from the law. I want you out of my country. I want you deported because <laughs> that ain't the American way. So we'll be back for another block. We'll talk a little bit, a couple more calls. And then at the top of the hour, we're going to switch a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about the latest in all of the court cases around Donald Trump because there aren't going to be a lot of primaries this year giving us news. Because we already know who the nominees are, but is one of them going to be on standing trial um, as we go to vote? We'll find out. That I'll give you that update top, and then four o'clock, Dominic Carter, left versus right, the thriller in what rhymes with thriller besides Manila. We'll see you on the other side. You just thank the to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Taking you till 4 o'clock today. Then Dominic Carter comes in for a big debate, left versus right. We're talking about immigration for another few minutes. Uh, let's try to get uh, one or two more calls in before we go to the top. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Hey, Michael, sorry to keep you waiting so long. Yeah, uh, first of all, you are an habitual liar. 
Okay, when you keep saying the law says that we have to give housing, we have to give some place for these people to live. No, it doesn't. It you it, you, you don't. You don't. No, no, no. You, you're not a lawyer. You don't know what you're talking about. You made this up. It says you give housing to leak to image to Americans. No, Michael. I, you, you. I know what you're reading, but no. You, you who live in New Jersey, you have no obligation whatsoever. In New York, we're governed by something called the Callahan Decree, which is a court agreement between the Coalition for the Homeless and the, the city of, of New York that was, that was enshrined in the, in the early 1980s. That does, that, that guarantees a right to housing for any human being in New York who asks for it. Please continue. Yeah, then why is it two judges and a lawyer said that's incorrect? You can get, you have to give it to citizens. And why are we giving it to them while our citizens mm-hmm. are sleeping in the subway, mm-hmm. sleeping in the tunnels in the subway? If you want more money, if you're calling because you want more money going to housing in the city, that's great. I agree with you. I'm telling you what the Callahan decree, which has been, it, you know, a court decree. I'm not a lawyer, Michael. You busted me. Caught me. I never said I was a lawyer. I have read the Callahan decree. I know its history intimately. And it only governs New York City. So you don't have to worry where you're living in New Jersey. You don't have to worry about it. You're giving preference to illegals. That's no, no, no. It does not no, give, you... it doesn't give preference. That's not the way the Callahan decree works. Preference is giving preference to them. But no. Every time I go on the subway, I see Americans sleeping on, on the bench. In the first of all, train. first of all, first of all, right. Michael. Wait, let me ask you another question. Sure. Where does it say we have to put them in hotels? Where does it say we have to give them food that they like because they were throwing away the sandwiches? Where does it say we well, have to First of all, you work? don't have to do any of those things, Michael, because you live in New Jersey. Am I right about that? New York? Does it say it in New York? Yes, it does. does the it Callahan decree. The Callahan decree. We have to do, the laundry. We have to do Michael, the laundry. Michael, Michael, Michael. First of all, deep breath, my brother. I'm usually the one that has people that's getting upset. The Callahan decree. It dates back. It's it's because we have a thing in our constitution here in the state of New York that has language that seems to imply that it's the job of the government to take care of people in need. Period. Okay. So it was litigated in the 1980s when Ed Koch was the mayor, and the Coalition for the Homeless sued the city. Says you got to provide housing for anyone who asks for it. The city said no. We don't want to do that. We don't have the money to do it, et cetera. They were about to go to trial, and it became clear there was a fear on the part of the city. That we would lose that case. The city would lose the case and be stuck with a much more broad um, requirement on what was needed. So it was negotiated with the interest group, the Coalition for the Homeless, that has all kinds of details in it. How far apart the bed have to be? The only people that and, and, and who gets a hotel room, et cetera, and who is in congregate housing. For example, children can't be in congregate housing. They have to be in hotel rooms with their moms or with their dads. This was all negotiated. Now, I believe it's too generous. I believe it should be revisited. Every single mayor has tried to wiggle out of it. The problem with consent decrees is they have the force of law that all three parties, the courts, the city, and the advocates have to agree to change it. Michael, I'll give you last word. Okay, where does it say we have to do their laundry? Where does it say we have to give them it's part, it's part of the house. It's part of the requirement. Where does it say we where does it say we have to kiss their rear end, which is what you It doesn't love? say no 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 that oh Michael, you're right. I just checked the Callahan decree. It does talk about the living conditions that they're in, but there is nothing in there about anyone kissing anyone's tookus. Look, I understand Michael's upset, but Michael I would point out for the third or fourth time, and I appreciate the call. It was enthusiastic, but he brought a lot to the table, is that he lives in New Jersey. New York City, if you live in New York City, you are the only jurisdiction in the entire country 
that has a legal right to housing. And there's no doubt that might be some of why people are coming here. But I would point out something, and maybe I'll bring this up with Dominic a little bit later, who thinks that people are coming here for all the fancy amenities. This week, they found out in Queens that 70 Senegalese migrants, asylees, were living crammed into a basement, $300 they're paying. I don't know. They're doing the amount. They couldn't even sleep at the same time. It was like something right out of the tenement museum. Now, those people are not taking advantage of of the shelter system because they don't want to sleep on a runway out of Floyd Bennett Field. But, uh, But the Callahan decision, the Callahan decree is part of our law today. And if you're Curtis Lee or, or Anthony Weiner, both of us ran for mayor. If you're Eric Adams, who successfully ran for mayor. If you're Ed Koch, if you're Rudy Giuliani, if you're Mike Bloomberg, if you're David Dinkins, if you're Ed Koch, you've lived with that requirement. You might not like it, but that is the law of the land. And getting back to the conversation about immigration, passion, bumper stickers, yelling at talk show hosts, doesn't change the fact that we need lawmakers to help us solve this problem. This is a problem with our laws. And even if we take the argument of, of, of the previous caller that you don't want to do this, you need a law to somehow override that consent decree that was entered into. These are laws. We don't just do it based on passion. We don't just do it based on what someone, the loudest that someone can shout. And when we come back, we'll change it up a little bit. We'll talk about the other kind of quasi-news of the week. It might have a real impact on the way we look at this coming election. Um, a lot of legal problems, but an important decision by the Supreme Court, and we'll get into that. So great to have you along for hour number one, and we're coming back right after the break with hour two of The Middle. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to The Middle. That's Graham Parker with Back in Time. Hour number two of The Middle. We'll be here till 4 o'clock. And then Dominic Carter and I, we lace up our boxing whatever. WBCRadio.com is one way you can listen to us. So in the first hour, we talked about one little bit of quasi-news this week, which was the president's past and future, right? Because one of these two guys is going to get elected in November. Um, laying out their positions on immigration. and uh, But an important thing happened this week. So the, the, the subtext of the whole year is going to be the various legal proceedings against Donald Trump. 
Now, I know that there are some people in our listening audience who believes that Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong. I believe there are people in our audience who believes he's being persecuted. However, the only way that we know whether someone did a crime that they're accused of is a trial. And so in all four of the cases that he's facing, there's a process leading up to the trial. And I am not a lawyer. I think Sal in the last hour pointed that out. I am not a lawyer. Uh, there's a process leading up. You got to choose a jury. You've got to decide what evidence is going to be admissible. You've got to, in some cases, they're complicated because you've got uh, secret documents. That you have to decide how they're going to be handled. Um, and there are motions that are made uh, that inform how the trial is going to be run. So the cases that are outstanding are the in Florida. He's accused the president, President Trump is accused of having possession of documents he wasn't supposed to have, refusing to give them back, moving them, lying about, etc. In Georgia, there is a civil case that is, I'm sorry, a criminal case in a state court in Georgia, which is a racketeering case around the idea of trying to overturn the lawful results of the Georgia election in an unlawful way. That's the summary of it. That has its own problems. That has its problems because the prosecutor in the case has or had an, a, an affair with one of the lawyers in the prosecutors in, that's, that's prosecuting the case. And the judge in that has to, case has to decide whether that's a conflict of interest that the, the prosecutor should be thrown off the case. Then there's a third case, which is going to be the first one that's going to go in the state of New York, where uh, the district attorney, um, it's the so-called hush fund case. The district attorney is accusing the president of the United States of violating criminal laws by by paying off someone to conceal an illicit affair, then um, misreporting that payoff on business documents and to cover up another crime. But the one that I think is kind of considered the big one, the one did the president, did uh, Donald Trump, um, engage in trying to stop the peaceful transition of government? Did he work with others to try to stop the counting of ballots as they were cast? And um, did he try to incite his supporters to stop my uh, um, Vice President Pence from reporting them properly and the like? And in that case... The president, President Trump's lawyers have made a rather astounding and unprecedented claim. It's never been adjudicated before. What they've said is that the president of the United States has absolute, meaning 100 percent, immunity for all crimes that he may have committed while in office. Meaning that anything that he does as part of his official duties or anything that he says are part of his official duties. Um, as president cannot be held accountable by the other branch of government, by the judicial branch. And well, or by the, or by any other branch of government, except that he can be impeached, but impeached is a very high bar. And as we see that even when you do things, it's, it's very hard to be impeached. That's the argument he made. And I know you might be saying, well, uh, that's crazy. The president, I mean, you mean 
You mean Richard Nixon is allowed to do the crimes he committed? He got pardoned because obviously he was able to be prosecuted. Yes, it's a pretty far out there. It's a pretty far out there thing to say. It's like basically every understanding we have of our country is that no one is above the law. And people have said, well, Donald, Donald, Donald Trump says, well, but a Barack Obama can be prosecuted for, for doing, for uh, a, a drone bombing or W can be prosecuted for what he did in Iraq or whatever it is. Yes, theoretically, that's right. If you commit a crime, theoretically, if the pros, if the Justice Department believes you commit a crime and they go to a grand jury and the grand jury has shown evidence and the judge believes it's sufficient evidence and then you go to a trial, yes, theoretically, you could be held accountable for committing a crime. But Donald Trump is arguing no. Now, the lower court, um, the Court of Appeals, said no. You know, you know, Democrat and Republican bipartisan appointments on that court, they said no. And they wrote a very lengthy explanation about how how that's not the way our our country works and there weren't too many real lawyers and commentators out there that said yeah you you can do whatever you want because remember Donald Trump is accusing of doing as well he was still president the unlike the Mar-a-Lago case he was he was no longer a president then and in the 2016 hush fund case he wasn't the president then so this is while he was president so the president's lawyers immediately take this to the Supreme Court and says, now, the Supreme Court doesn't have to take cases that they that come to them. Ninety nine point nine percent. They don't. They're not grant certiorari. They're not they're not taken up by the Supreme Court. They just let the lower court most the highest court in the land for most intents and purposes is the court, the U.S. Court of Appeals. So the Court of Appeals ruled against Donald Trump. So, no, you got this. Now, an important thing to keep in mind here is that the trial about this has to be is now frozen while they wait to see whether because if he's immune, he doesn't have to stay in trial. Now, some people have argued that the courts could say, go have the trial and we'll decide later. But anyway, so that's that's what's going on. So this week, a lot of people have been waiting because this is a kind of a big deal, right? If the president of the United States, all the if he's going to be tried, if they, they, they I mean, it's kind of a big deal. There's a lot at stake. A lot of Americans are waiting to see what is going to go on with this case. And so the Supreme Court did something this week that I think was surprising to a lot of people. They agreed to take the case, but they agreed to take the case, I think, two weeks or is it three weeks after it was argued. They didn't quickly say they're going to take it. They waited, and now they have set oral arguments for the week of April 22nd. And they're going to hear it. Now, they could have not heard this case, but they said, we want to. Now, did they say they want to because they want to rule in Donald Trump's favor? Some very cynical people and some partisan people may believe that and be afraid of that. I have no reason. I don't know. It could just be that they think for this case to have credibility, they have to put their imprimatur on it. I get that. But here's the problem, and here's what I'd like to talk to you, my dear listener, about. Is everything that Donald Trump and his lawyers are doing is to try to delay these cases. And the one thing that voters and I think we should agree upon, whether we're on the left or the right, is that we should know the outcome of this case, of these cases. He's been accused of very, very serious things. And rather than saying, I want to clear my name, he's saying, I want to delay these trials as much as possible. And now the Supreme Court is doing it. So here's the timeline. Now, 
If they do it along their normal timeline, the Supreme Court, their normal timeline would be that you get the decision at the end of their term, the end of June. So they have the arguments in April and then the end of June. Um, and then the district court has their pretrial hearings in September and the, and kind of the trial begins the end of September. And, and I'm sorry, the trial begins at the end of September and is going on during the election because it's probably, say, about eight-week trials, people think. And then, like, the it goes to the jury in, in November. Now, let's assume they go more expedited. They try to do it a little faster. And they go as fast as they did with U.S. versus Nixon, when, you know, basically the Watergate Papers case. Then they can do it very quick. They can do it a matter of weeks, and then you're back on track. But I think, you know, we've heard, we've seen a lot of polling about this, and I I take the polling with a grain of salt, but a lot of Americans say they'd like to know the outcome of the trial before they go to vote, and I don't understand why the Supreme Court doesn't see that as an important thing. Now, I believe Donald Trump is trying to delay these trials because he's guilty. I could be wrong. Because usually people who are innocent are like, let me at him. I don't want, I don't want to be campaigning for president with people thinking I did these crimes. I want a speedy trial. The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution guarantees a speedy trial. But it's not just speedy for him. It's speedy for the rest of us as well. Society has a right to know. Pop, our population has a right to know. There might be some people who say, I don't care if he's a, if he's convicted of a crime or not. But surely some people might. Some people might. Don't you think they're entitled to that? Now here's something all else. If he becomes president, Donald Trump, if he gets reelected in November, he could go to the Justice Department that is prosecuting him, you know, the Justice Department is the executive branch, and say, stop prosecuting me. Is that America? Stop prosecuting. He can do that. Very few people I've spoken to disagree. That's almost accepted now, that the president can stop it. Now, think about that for a minute. He's been accused of all these crimes. These indictments are as thick as my arm. Some of the inf- a lot of the information that led to the indictments is in the public domain. There's even a video, a, a, an audio. Christian, can you find the audio of Donald Trump talking about turning over the? Um, I'm sorry, uh, Jonas. Can you t- the audio of me uh, of Donald Trump talking about the secret documents in Mar-a-Lago and mentioning my name? If you can't find it, it's no big deal. There's even audio of him saying, "Look at this secret document. I, well, I'm not supposed to be showing you this. Like it's a pretty tough case." So the the president could. If he is found guilty, I mean, if he is elected, he can just turn to the Justice Department and say, don't prosecute me anymore. You think we'd be better? That That's a good outcome? Then, then he's just been elected, and the first thing he does is say that I'm, I'm not going to be prosecuted for these crimes that people have heard so much about and have gone through the whole legal system up to this point. And who created this situation? Trump. You can say, oh, the prosecutors did. No, no, no. All the delays so far are because Donald Trump has done everything possible to delay having the trial. I mean, demanding total immunity for crimes he committed. 
Will that be a legitimate way to resolve this case? That the person who's the target of the, who's the accused? So I would hope that the Supreme Court says, let's have these trials and let's do them as quickly as we can so that the voters can decide for themselves. I mean, voters have a right to know this. I'm sorry. I just think they, they, they do. They have a right to know this. But let me look at this from one other perspective. And that is if you're Donald Trump, do you want these trials going on later or sooner? Now, let's assume for a moment that the schedule that I just read you is right. Do you really want a trial going on later? I mean, and for people, one other thing I should point out, sometimes this gets me to say, well, they waited to do this during an election year. No, this was these trial, the, the information that was being developed and the witnesses that were being cultivated, it was basically kind of a bottom-up case. 1,500, 1,600 people have been have been had trials and, and are going to prison for the for the things that Donald Trump stirred up. And so all of these cases have been moving along, but Donald Trump's has been delayed and delayed and delayed. Some of it I don't deny is the Justice Department being super careful when they should have just leaned in. But I would love to hear the argument for taking these these accusations and tell me, is it good that the 45 to 50 percent of the country or even more that says, I want to know what happened, I want to know if he's guilty of crimes, that the answer is going to be no, we're not going to tell you. And that could happen because the Supreme Court is, you know, we don't know what their schedule is going to be. They have it in their hands. Either have this resolved quickly and the trial gets back on or, um, or it doesn't. So the first trial that's going to come up is this Bragg one, the hush money case. And then I guess probably it's hard to tell because there was a, there was a hearing on the Marilago case and maybe that one gets inserted before. But I would hope that the Supreme Court moves along as quickly as they as they they possibly can. I mean, a speedy trial is important here. And I, you know, unless maybe this is the case, unless Donald Trump's only running for president to get out from under the legal cases. That's the only reason he's doing it is to save his skin. And it could be could be the only reason that's probably why he announced so early to try to think he can preempt these these indictments by saying, oh, I'm a presidential candidate. He was the first, you know, he announced very early. And I, I every reading of the law that I can find says he indeed will have the right as the as the titular head of the criminal justice system in the United States of America. He will have the ability to tell his attorney general, stop this prosecution. He will have the chance to declare himself above the law. Now, that doesn't cover the Georgia case, which has its own problems, and it doesn't cover the Bragg case. But the two big ones, the documents case and the January 6th case, it will. And so the Supreme Court of the United States has has the nation's fate in its hand, and they raced forward when it was time to do Bush v. Gore, 
They raced forward when it was time to to, um, stop the president from doing student loan debt. They took away the rights from half the country over their bodies. And now they have the chance to maybe at least get this one done quickly. So we're going to take uh, some of your calls when we get back. We're going to clear the board. If you're on from um, about immigration, we're probably going to clear the board to make some room for calls about this. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'll be taking you to 4 o'clock with the middle. Then left versus right with Dominic Carter. We have a exciting afternoon of radio planned for you. Thank you so much for being here. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Major Laser bringing us back in. Jonas on the board. Christian taking your calls. Ava supervising. We'll be here until 4 o'clock. Then Dominic Carter and I go at it in left versus right. Part of our recurring. Yeah, look, they're going to keep throwing tougher and tougher opponents at me. But you better come packing. I say to my good friend Dominic. So we're talking a little about these uh, Trump case. I gave you a little bit of the setup for it. And um, look, this is a very weird dynamic. I don't deny that it is. Usually presidential races are about primaries, usually about position papers, usually about things like the first hour, you know, who's responsible for what, you know, blaming the president, blaming the other party. I, that's usually the way it is. This year, the newsworthy things are going to be happening in courts. And you'd say, oh, well, it's because he's being persecuted. Hmm, either that or he's been doing crimes. <laughs> and the only way we have to sort this out is the criminal justice system. That's the only way we really have to do it. But let's hear what some of your thoughts are. Let's start with Maria. Hey, Maria, thank you for calling. Oh, hi, Anthony. It's nice talking to you. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Hi, I think you would have been a good mayor, too. I appreciate that. Okay, um, two two quick questions. The first one is, I, you know, you kind of partially answered this one. You think that Trump is running for president to, um, you know, get pardoned himself more or less. But um, I know he always says that he really loves the country, and that's the number one reason why he is running for president. But with everything going on with all these court cases, his family business, his fortune, 
And even now, like some of the cases, you know, concerning his freedom, what do you think is the real motive on why he's really running? Like, that's number one. And the second question is the Georgia case. Um, I know a lot of the evidence is um, circumstantial as far as proving the actual dates when the two prosecutors' affairs began. But, um, you know, the whole thing just thinks with the overpayment of the prosecutor by his girlfriend and um, also the love affair, it just looks really bad. Like it's, you know, it looks like they're not really um, focusing on what they were put there to do. And I was going to ask you, what do you think the judge might decide in the next couple of weeks? Thank you. I'll listen to your I, answers. I appreciate it, Maria. Let me take the second one first. Maria is exactly right. It looks terrible. It's tawdry. This, who's having, look, the question that I have, though, about this is what, what is, who cares? Okay. Now, if this is about the perception, then I think the judge is going to throw it. He's going to throw these prosecutors off the case because the perception is ugly and toy. If it's about the reality, like showing some kind of a real conflict, I don't know what the real conflict would be. Two people sleeping together. I'm not sure whether it impacts on whether or not Donald Trump and the 19 co-conspirators did the crimes that are alleged. But if you're concerned about how it looks, did he hire this person because they wanted to enrich themselves? But they're the it's, they're all on the same team, right? So I don't really know what difference it really makes. And I, I never quite got my mind around that. The only thing that I can surmise is if someone can make the argument they're only prosecuting Donald Trump so that she can then hire this guy and pay this guy and ingratiate this guy with fees. I don't think that's why they're prosecuting Donald Trump. I think this is an attractive case. I think there's a lot of evidence in the case. I read the whole indictment. There's a lot of evidence there that he, Donald Trump, knew full well that he didn't win the race. The court said he didn't. The attorney, Secretary of State, a very pro-Trump Secretary of State, said he didn't repeatedly. His own campaign said he didn't win it. And they went out after all the, the court proceedings were done, after the legislature says we're ready to – we've decided that it's all done and over. You've lost the election in our state. He organized this conspiracy to then appoint different um, electors. There's, that's against the law. So in answer to Maria's question, how does this look and what do I think the judge is going to do? I think if he there's not if he thinks the perception is enough, I think he's going to throw them out. He's going to throw this prosecutor off the case. If he thinks that it has to be a, you have to show a real conflict, I don't think they showed that. I don't think they showed the way that it really ch- ch- affects the case. Now, Marie asked this other question. Oh my God, Donald Trump's doing so much for the country. Yeah, Donald Trump was a one-term president and a failed president, right? He got you know it's very hard to get you know one-term presidents are not viewed very kindly. He didn't do a very good job. He was rejected by the voters, lost the popular vote twice, lost by a bigger margin the second time than the first margin, et cetera. It's a good job being president. I would take it in a heartbeat. He wants the job back. But I do think there's an element of this that his business is also he doesn't have anything else. Right. His real estate business is crap. Who no one wants to put his licensing business. No one wants to put his name on anything. People are tearing it off all around the world. The value of some study was done here in New York, properties that have his name on it are 20% depressed over properties that are not. We, we, we saw in the, in the, the, in the fraud case that part of the reason that he was telling lies is he didn't have the cash. He needed the loans. 
We also saw him testify at how much money he had that turned out wasn't the case. He said he said during the he said in the deposition, I'm worth ten billion dollars, I have three billion dollars in tangible assets and four hundred million dollars in cash. Well now he has to put up cash and he says, I don't have it. He's not going on TV anymore. Now the one thing that might happen is he might this whole Trump social uh truth social thing, the 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 special purpose fund that he set up for that looks like it's ready to cash in. He can become wealthy again on that. By the way, everyone who says that the Biden Biden is conspiring against him. You know who who gave the green light to that controversial deal? The Biden administration did. That's going to make him very wealthy. But Maria asked the question, you know, he can do other things. No, the guy doesn't have that much money. And more than me, but he doesn't have that much money. He's, he's not the, the wealthy guy that I mean, we now know because he had to go into court last week and say, I don't have the money. To, 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 to pay for sexually abusing someone and lying about, and, 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 and to pay for, uh, for defrauding the people of the state of New York. And let's go to Joseph in New Jersey. Hey, Joseph. Yeah, hi, how are you? Uh, I'm, uh, born and raised in Staten Island, and, uh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fool this, uh, New Yorker. You're telling me you're in the middle? All I've been hearing the last 10 minutes about all these crazy, um, uh, investigations into Trump. First of all, the document case should be thrown out. President Biden had documents, and he had no right to have them at home. He was never the president. I know, but he uh, gave them back, Joe. He gave them back after 40 years. Are no, he gave them back when, as soon as they found them. Why did Donald Trump... 40 years. What, Joe? Joe, answer me this one question. Maybe you know. I, I haven't been following as close as you. Why didn't Donald Trump want to give his back? He's allowed to go no, no. After that, after that, after that, there was a court order saying he had. A, there was a court order saying he had to return him, and he didn't. Didn't lie about it. Wait, what was the court order? Why did they do that to President Trump? They're twisting the Constitution. No, but Joe, but not in the documents case. They asked him very nicely, very quietly, just give us our documents back. He said no. Why? He's allowed to say what he's under the No. No, it was a court order. You can't ignore, you can't ignore a court order, Joe. You can't do that. And if you think you can, you're wrong. I'm sorry, Joe. You can't do that. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Hey, Robert. Hi, Anthony. An NDA is part of a civil settlement between two parties. It's not hush money. There wasn't an NDA here. Uh, excuse me? There wasn't an NDA here. Non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, there wasn't an NDA here. Stormy Daniel. There wasn't an NDA here. With Stormy Daniels, yes. No, she was just she was just 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 paid. They paid her, and then they paid some other guy not to run stories about it. What, what you don't like hush money? You think that's a bad term for it? That's not the reality of it. It's part of a civil settlement. Okay, first of all, it was not a civil settlement. That implies it was done through the courts. That's not what happened. Civil civil means under the civil laws of the United States of America. This was someone was given a bag of money to shut up. And by the way, if you don't like hush money, all right, it, Robert, she got money to stay hushed. Is that better? <laughs> no, that's I mean, you didn't call you, uh, Robert. You're you're one of my smartest calls. Robert, Robert, you're one of our smartest calls. Yankee Stadium, your head would be in Yonkers. <laughs> I'm glad you're not in office, and I hope you never are again. All right, Robert. I appreciate it. I can't believe, Robert, did you – one of our best callers, he calls up to say it's not hush money. He paid – I don't even – that's that part's on tape. 
You don't like the phrase? Good grief. That can't be the strongest argument. Don't call it hush money. Call it quiet up money. Look, I happen to think, I mean, the hush money case is not a dream case to me. Because in that case, the voters know what happened. That's the difference. In the other cases, we have a lot of questions. Like the, the, the gentleman from Staten Island who just called up. He, 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 he's going to find out in the trial what happened there and what happened according to the allegations. And that's all it is. He's presumed innocent. According to the allegations is the, is the National Archives said, you've got our documents. Can we have them back? And he said, no. Then they said, can we please have them back? And they said, no. Then they went to court and got a court order. And he still said no. Then, no, that's not true. They got a court order and then he handed some of them back. And then they said, we noticed they're not all here. And then he told his lawyer, tell them that they have them all. And the lawyer said, well, I can't do that. That's not true. And then they came back and he moved them and hid them and tried to delete videotapes according to the allegation. So it's very different than finding stuff in your garage and, oops, I shouldn't have this and calling up the FBI and say, please come get this. But the different, the hush money case, the reason I think it's the least important one is we already know he paid off. He had an illicit affair with a porn actress and paid her to shut up. We kind of know that already. So the voters have that information already. Has he been held accountable for it? No. But we have that information. These other cases are criminal cases he can go to jail for, for subverting our Constitution and for stealing classified documents and refusing to give them back. That's serious stuff. And people like the previous caller from Staten Island and myself, we we are voters. We have a right to hear these things. I mean, maybe people think that no one cares. I mean, that's another side of the story. And when we come back, we'll take a few more calls about this. And then at the top of the hour, Dominic Carter on left versus right. He and I go at it. Stick around for that. This is the middle. So great to have you along. And just so everyone understands, I don't claim to be the middle. I just say the facts are neither left nor right. The facts don't have partisanship. The facts are not ideological. And so what I'm trying to do is introduce some facts into this conversation. So great to have you be part of it. It's the middle. We'll see you on the other side. Radio 77 WABC. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
So welcome back. I thought the police would get to the point there faster. Oh, here we go. Welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'll be here with you until four o'clock. Then Dominic Carter comes in. Eight hundred eight four WABC. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 Weiner WABC at gmail dot com. And if you miss any part of this, the miracle of uh, Ava and Jonas and Christian, they'll have it up as a podcast shortly thereafter. You can catch this. Also, my my podcast that comes out in the middle of the week, episode seventy one this week, is I take a deep dive into the results from South Carolina primarily, and just to, to look at some of what people said there and a few other races around the uh, country. Um, on email, Lisa from Garrison, she writes in something I've been thinking about. How can someone believe they're innocent but still argue they have presidential immunity? Well, the two things aren't entirely entirely contradictory. On one hand, you can say, I'm going to do anything I can to stop this trial because I don't want to take a chance. For example, you don't have jurisdiction or this law is preempted or the evidence that they gathered was illegal. You know, they acquired it through illegal means. I don't have a problem with them doing everything possible to avoid prosecution. But this is quite a different thing. You know, when you're the president of the United States, you're almost guaranteed to get to the Supreme Court. This seems to be done intentionally for delays because I don't believe there's all that much of a credible case for it. By the way, here's an example that came up in the arguments on the case. So the president is part of his official duties as the commander in chief of the military. If it is true that he is immune from prosecution for any act, and this is a literal example that came up, can he call call uh, seal team six and have seal team six assassinate his opponent? Part of his job he did it while he was president. He's immune from prosecution. Now, Obviously, you'd say, you can't do that. Well, if the president's argument is to be taken at face value, yes, you can do that. And so could Joe Biden. And so could whatever president comes next. We don't have a system of government like that. We have a system of checks. See, we've heard this, schoolhouse rock, checks and balances. And those checks exist on the behavior of the president of the United States. Or at least that's my understanding of the Constitution as I've always read it. And that seemed to be the overwhelming Opinion of the court that heard this and the the appeals court. Uh, so let's go back to the calls. Let's see who we have here up on the board. Um, uh, okay, let's go to Chris on Long Island. Hey, Chris, welcome back. Anthony, how we doing? Well, Chris, uh, thank you. Anthony, you know I love you, and I really never miss one second of your show. I've been with you for a couple of years. So anyhow, that being said, um, I think you would be – the biggest problem you have, unfortunately, is that people like me listen to WABC radio pretty much 24-7, okay, during the week. Do too. Now, you have some of the best legal minds, okay, like Joe Tacopina and uh, and, uh, Napolitano, Alan Dershowitz, and they always contradict everything you come on with, you know, like, so basically they're saying that most of these cases have no merit, the four against Trump. So people like me hear that, okay? And we're like, you know what? No matter what happens with Trump, no matter what happens, we're going to vote for him because we're hearing from great legal minds that have this and say that they've never seen such bogus claims being brought against one person. And they all say it. And Judge Napolitano is not the biggest Trump fan anyhow, and a lot of them aren't. I, I by the way, I, 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 heard, yeah. I heard Napolitano say that he thought that the documents case was very serious. 
no, he did. But but what he also said, though, Anthony, was uh, it was an embarrassment that the investigator found Joe Biden probably guilty. No, no, okay? I, I. But but hold on a second. Hold. Let's okay. just do one thing at a time, Chris. You said that people believe that the cases against Donald Trump are bogus, and I said, wait a minute. This is the documents case. Napolitano actually said that was really serious. And you said yes, and then you said, but what about Joe Biden? If we stick to Trump, look, here's the thing, Chris. You're right. If you just listen to WABC radio, you are going to get different opinions than mine almost all week. Because the other people on this station are on this station because this is a a right-leaning station, and a lot of them are there because they're really good at appealing to right-leaning audiences. I'm doing something different. But for the people who are not right or left-leaning people, who are just American citizens, we have a way to decide if a case is bogus. Do you know what it is, Chris? It's called a trial. That's the only one we have. We don't have another way to, to sort it out unless we want to have Chris and Joe Takapina decide. Oh, Anthony, but that's, listen, the, the, the point is that I'm getting at, and the reason I said that when you said but, because what they're saying is they also, also, and you never address this, say that there are very serious charges against Biden and his son, and, you know, they do. They And, and they're, listen, Alan Dershowitz, no matter what you say, no matter what you say, he wrote a book about Trump. I get it. But he's not going to vote for Trump. So he's, I think he's very fair, and he's a brilliant legal mind. And he always has a lot of problems, and I think you should have him on the show. You don't uh, want to do it. Uh, no, no, you know, well, all right. But, but let me let me just do one yourself. thing. Let me do one thing at a time. First of all, you say there are things against Joe Biden. Okay, they have now done seventy hours of hearings on Hunter Biden. Thirteen separate bills have been introduced. Impeachment proceedings are underway on on Joe Biden. A whole report was done about the difference between uh, Joe Biden's handling of documents and Donald Trump's. Even this guy that called uh, Joe Biden old and doddering said that when he when these documents were discovered, there a lot of them were documents that previous presidents had had kept. He made no effort to conceal it, cooperated with us completely, had a five hour interview. And the other guy did different things. If you want to say you want to call up and have a conversation that you think what Joe Biden did should be the subject of impeachment. The, the, the Republicans are doing it all day. They just had Hunter Biden in for for a deposition. I mean, you want to do that? Fine. My thing is, if you are in a legal procession, a legal proceeding, if you have someone who's accused of a crime, Dershowitz can look at the indictment like I can look at the indictment and say, I think this is serious or it's not serious. He can look at the indictment of all 90, all 91 indictments and make that determination. But the only way we have to sort this out is now that American citizens in Florida, as in Florida, in pro-Trump Florida handed up an indictment against him and in citizens in Washington, D.C. and citizens in New York City and citizens in Georgia have handed up indictments against this guy. We should have trials to determine the facts. And if he is not guilty of these things, then let's do it quickly. Let's get it done. Let's move it along. Chris, what's the argument for stalling, Chris? I'll let you have last word. Okay. The the argument for stalling is that Right. Uh, obviously, he's looking to win the election. And then, you know, there's no doubt he's trying to do that. And I'm not such a pro-Trump guy. I will vote for him. But I'm not here to say he hasn't done things wrong. I'm not here to say that. But that's obviously what he's doing. 
He's stalling, which is his right, which is his right. Well, wait a minute. No, no, but here, let me just – I said I was going to give you the last word. Unfortunately, I fibbed. You say that's his right. Only one person has a right to wipe out a a legal proceeding against them in the entire country, and that is the president can wipe out a legal proceeding against himself. Can you imagine – put on our thinking caps for this hypothetical, my friends. And, Chris, once again, great call. What if right now uh, Joe uh, Joe Biden said, because this is the Justice Department, I am going to say stop all investigations of my son? Imagine that. Everybody, myself included, would be furious. We would see that as a terrible abuse of power. And yet, Chris just matter-of-factly says, Oh, yeah, he definitely wants to delay this so that he can drop the cases against himself. My friends, that ain't America. Whether we like the the criminal justice system or we don't like it, it's the only one we've got. It's the worst system in the world except compared to every other one. We don't have another system. It's the only way we have to sort these things out. And if he didn't do it, then let's get him, use that Sixth Amendment, Get in front of a jury. You got the best lawyers on earth. Make the case. Can you imagine? Just put that put that hypothetical in your head. That's what we're all saying. That's what everyone kind of acknowledges. Oh yeah, if it gets past election day or it gets to January twenty first and he and the trial hasn't gone on, boom, it's over. He wipes his own slate clean. That ain't America. People think it's a bogus case. This guy thinks it's a bogus case. That one. This Dershowitz literally wrote a book saying Trump is innocent or something. What is it called? Defending Trump or what? Bringing up Trump. Joe Tacopina literally works for Donald Trump. Come on, stop it. Or did. I read anyone within the sound of my voice can read the indictments. They're not big words, especially the Mar-a-Lago one, man. That I don't know how... I'd love to see what his argument even is. Told someone who would delete the videotapes? Come on, that's, that's. I mean, I was prosecuted by a Donald Trump prosecutor. I did, I, I'm responsible. I had no, I didn't have a chance just to go out and run for president. By the way, maybe I should have done that. I should have run for president. Anyway. We're going to come back to wrap up hour number two and stick around. The exciting round two of Dominic Carter versus Anthony Weiner. This is the middle. We'll see you on the other side. change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides before all this happened anthony weir he was fantastic that guy could have been the president this is the middle with anthony weiner but weiner may be my greatest challenge yet he has gone toe to toe with many pundits before me on wabc
so true. Funny how it seems. Always in time, but never in line for dreams. And welcome back to the middle. That is um, Spandau Ballet. I want to say. Is that who it is? is that who it is? Uh, Spandau Ballet. And we're getting ready to wrap up hour number two. It's been an interesting conversation. Look, you know, look, here, here's the thing about the criminal justice system. It, it's not really set up for this. The, there's a presumption that presidents are not going to be standing trial and be criminal. All of this is unprecedented. Now, you can say it's unprecedented because Joe Biden, Fannie Willis, Bragg, all these people are going after the president. Well, one of the reasons that we have an independent counsel law is that it's set up so that it's not the Justice Department proper. It's still supervised by the private, but they get complete independence. They're an independence over their budget. They can't be fired, hired or fired. If they come out with a report, then the Congress has a right to see it and all these different types of things. Like an independent counsel just came out and said that Joe Biden's old and feeble. So when Jack Smith, this independent counsel, He's theoretically independent from the Justice Department. And this is the way we prosecute people who are political figures when you're the opposite party of the state. It doesn't matter like because there are inherent conflicts. But we don't have any other way to do it. And at the end of the day, we trust the American people in the form of a jury in an adversarial system where people call witnesses People raise questions of law, questions of facts. We have judges. If we're going to say, oh, it's all bogus, it's all bogus, it's all bogus. Now, some people believe that, but there are a lot of people, and the polls bear this out, and I see it in day-to-day life. There are people who want it, who don't know the truth, who are like, I don't know. I have not come to an opinion either way. All I've seen is the prosecutor's allegations. I want to see what the defense is. And the question for me becomes, well, do you want to see that before or after you vote? And how many people are really out there saying, no, I want to wait till after I vote? <laughs> no, people want to know. And so this is a system, you know, I know the system, criminal justice can be slow and plotting in the Supreme Court. They do their things at their own pace. But I would just say that they, that the, the, the Supreme Court of the United States should, should, should say it's important to get this done as soon as possible. Let's get these trials going. Let's find out. Let's let Donald Trump stand up at the convention and say, I've been acquitted. Or let's let voters, let's let Mrs. Crapalucci, who's deciding who to vote for, have this piece of information. And I bet you a lot of Americans, not our listeners, because our listeners are very sophisticated, a lot of Americans don't realize it's within the president's power to pull the plug on his own prosecution. I mean, that, that, think about how unsatisfying and how divisive that would be. To be kind of like an, an indicted president forever. I mean, Dino's up on the board. We can't get to him. He's saying, if he's guilty, why not charge him now? He has been charged 91 times. All these delays are because the president is doing everything possible with the cooperation of a recalcitrant judge in Florida and with the cooperation now of the Supreme Court. These things are getting held up. The judges are, you know, they're, 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 we're ready to go. Let's go. And speaking of let's go, coming up next, 
left versus right. When it started out, it was me and Curtis. We would we would go back and forth a little bit. I try to defend Eric Adams sometimes. We'd have conversations. Then we decided 2024, John Katsimatis, Margot, Chad says, no, this is a campaign year. If the candidates aren't going to debate, that doesn't mean we aren't. From friction comes a little bit of light. From light comes education. From education comes information. From information comes our democracy. And that's what we're doing here. So Dominic Carter will be coming in in just a few minutes for Left versus Right. I thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share some of your Saturday with you. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Stay tuned for Left versus Right. <laughs> 